Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott, physically distancing. As always, hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. It's a good day here. Uh, <laughs> you you may yeah. know, well, you know, I think, uh, I took this week off of work. But uh, I've managed to wear real pants every day. Uh, Weird. Yeah, seems uh, like the opposite of... Working from home, like sometimes I wear sweatpants working, but uh, take time off and I'm wearing jeans every day. What's going on? Yeah, that's strange, man. Really yeah. strange. I'm even wearing jeans right now. I don't know why I didn't change before the podcast, but I think that it'll uh, keep me focused on the task at hand. All right. So you, uh, you're you getting ready. Of course, big, long weekend in most of the country. Not for us, because the federal government doesn't take uh, Monday off, but in a lot of parts of the country... Monday is a holiday, so hopefully everyone is excited for a long weekend. If you get one, Scott, how are you going to celebrate? Oh, you know, I, I privately. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are continuing to get closer and closer to the curling bubble in Calgary. Really looks like this is going to happen. Uh, I am stunned. I did not expect it. But Scott, we are... Nine days away from curling on the TV. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened to uh, Ryan and Jonathan today from Rocks Across the Pond, and uh, it, it sounds like they're also pretty shocked that it's going to happen. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to the Women's World announcement uh, that happened on Monday uh, and how that might affect things. So, I mean, you and I were both hopeful. And based the way things are now it looks like it's going to happen like you say but uh you know nine days is a long time in in covid world but uh, yes but you know as, as long as everybody can get there be safe it does look like it's going to happen yeah certainly seems that way teams are going to start arriving over the next few days to get into the bubble we did have one more roster announcement for the scotties one more notable one that I saw. And Nadine Scotland is expecting her first child. Uh, congratulations to Nadine and her husband. Very exciting news. They were pretty open in the announcement about some of the struggles that they have had with uh, conception and the process that they have had to go through. And uh, certainly a very exciting news for them. But the result in curling world is that nadine has opted out of the bubble she is the lead for laura walker which will be representing alberta this year so we get a return to the scotties of rochelle brown and dana ferguson so rochelle is going to be playing lead at the scotties and dana ferguson will be the fifth for team alberta scott they're just going to show up all the time they're so much fun i think if anybody gets bored in the bubble they will be the ones to just keep the energy going i think this is a, a great pickup if you need extra players uh, you need a, a roster adjustment this is a, a good pair to have in what could be a very difficult setting off the ice in the bubble yeah you're right the, they, they do seem to have a lot of fun together and uh <laughs> They must be some kind of a package deal, right? In their contract. Yeah. I can't have one without the other. Uh, so uh, uh, pretty exciting though. Uh, you know, both have a lot of experience at the Scotties, uh, which will be helpful uh, for the team overall, I, I think. Uh, last year, of course, Laura Walker's first Scotties got there, played pretty well, like not bad, but uh, not bad. Uh, but these two, you know, uh, have, have championship pedigrees. So uh, never a bad thing to have on your team. Yeah, and I do think, you know, we'll get into this next week when the we do the full preview, but I think Laura Walker is one of those teams that really might suffer from the lack of the page this year. Uh, but definitely a team that would be looking to step forward and certainly I think will be competing for one of the playoff spots. So it'll be a lot of fun. They'll get some TV games and certainly Rochelle Brown probably won't see too much of Dana Ferguson during the game. But makes for great TV as well, a great uh, TV player. So that'll be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
and uh, follow them both on uh, social media too. Maybe you'll get some uh, fun off the ice uh, hijinks. Yes. So, uh, so I want to go through some of the news that has come out over the past week that is going to influence the way that we watch the Scotties and uh, the the Briar as well. But a, a lot of the early focus, I think, will be how everything relates to the Scotties. We had two major announcements since we last spoke. The first one came roughly 10 hours after we recorded or something last week, mm-hmm. which was Curling Canada announcing a new Olympic trials qualification process. And this was met with a lot of confusion on the Twitter sphere. And I just wanted to go over what this was because Scott, I think it was actually a lot more straightforward than people thought. Uh, or, or, or maybe not even the way people thought. The way Curling Canada phrased it in the announcement was not clear. But if you waded through all of the nonsense that Curling Canada, for whatever reason, included in that announcement, I think it's a pretty straightforward process here. Yeah, it is a, a pretty straightforward, especially after I read your blog that you wrote about it. So uh, <laughs> that, re- that really helped. That's up at uh, Game of Stones pod dot dot com slash blog but yes. uh yeah let's go through it uh and and, w- and what it is because it is sort of you know replacing some of the ways to qualify for the trials that we knew so yes so sean what's happening first so first thing that we have to just say is that nine teams of each sex will qualify for the trials, which will be held in Saskatoon. As a footnote, part of the announcement was that they've moved the trials up a week. So it will now be the last week of November instead of the first week of December. Uh, That's just a little footnote that doesn't really influence too much, although it might, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, So nine teams, typically the way you qualify is that you have the Canada Cup winners from the two years before. So in this case, the 2019-2020 Canada Cup winners, the 2020 2021 Scotties slash Briar winners. Mm -hmm. Then you have teams that qualify based on points. So one team qualifies for the highest two-year total between the fall of 2019 and the spring of 2021. Then you have the next highest team on that list from 2019 through 2021. And then the highest team on the one-year point system of 2020-2021. Now, if there Mm -hmm. are any overlapping spots, on that, so Gushu, for instance, won the Briar last year. That gets him a spot. If he's the highest-ranking CTRS team, what happens is that the next team below him on the points would get that spot. So that's how you get situations where nobody actually or, – or a team could qualify without hitting specifically one of these mm-hmm. because there are multiples. And then the final two spots come from the pre-trials event where in years past, I believe it's been 18 teams – that basically comes out of points are invited to a pre-trials event where two teams come, uh, come out of that event into the field. That's how Brian or Brandon Botcher made it, for instance, back in 2017 out of those pre-trials. But this year, because we lost this whole competitive curling season, you can't have the two-year total for points or the one-year total for points. So the existing qualification system doesn't really apply or couldn't really apply. So this is why Curling Canada had to announce a new form of qualification for the Olympic trials because the existing one no longer works in a COVID world. And they didn't have the Canada Cup either. Also a factor. Right. Which was another direct direct qualifier. Yes, it was. So... And it's important to note that the way the qualification system works is that it is intended to reward teams that play on tour and have good results on tour. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to get away. I mean, Mike Harris seems like a really nice guy and I like him on TV, <laughs> but basically this rule is put in place so that a Mike Harris type team wouldn't win again, frankly, is uh, the the situation in 1998 and a little bit in 2002, uh, the Curling Canada wanted to ensure that the four-year process leading into the Olympics served a, a greater purpose and that you couldn't have sort of these last chancy type people or, or someone who gets in on a fluke and then has a hot week. So yeah. they yeah. wanted to reward teams that play on tour a lot. 
So that's how we get to this system because really you can't get into the Canada Cup unless you play on tour a lot. And Scotty's Briar winners, certainly at this point, are only coming out of those tour teams. So the, the, this is the point of this system. And it would be now unfair in a way to have a total rejigging of the system. So Curling Canada has this announcement of rejigging the Olympic trials qualification process. And Scott, we are getting what I am going to call the pre-pre-trials. Right. So, and, and the pre-pre-trials don't actually get you births into the pre-trials. They get you births directly into the trials. Correct. So you're calling them pre-pre-trials just based on the fact that they will, will be held before the pre-trials. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The pre-pre-trials. So I think the best way to think of the pre-pre-trials is that it's like the page playoff. And mm -hmm. the pre-pre-trials are the one-two game. And the teams that win at that event get to the final, which is the trials. And the losers at that event have to go into the semifinal, which is the pre-trials. I think that is a way to clarify it. I mean, if you've watched the Briar Scotties, you know the page system. I think that's a, a pretty fair way to summarize what the pre-pre-trials are. Yeah, right. It's it's basically win and you're in the trials or or win whatever the however many spots are available, which I believe is three for women's and two for men's. And for now. Well, for now, yes. Depending on the outcomes of of the Scotties and Briar. Yep. And and then the teams that don't advance to the trials will get a chance to go to the pre-trials. Yeah. So the pre-trials will operate as normally for two spots available, regardless of what happens in the bubble. So the pre-trials event will be the same as ever. And they have added in the pre-pre-trials basically to take the place of a couple of the points season finishers. And that's the way that's going to, going to work. Now, the other part of this announcement that, of course, plays into this is that Curling Canada has decided that based off of points for the previous two season seasons, some teams will be in the trials. have already been given their spots. So let's just put this in, in the, the framing of who's in and who's out. So okay. as we sit here right now, on the women's side, Rachel Homan, because she won the 2019 Canada Cup, mm -hmm. Carrie Anderson, the 2020 Scotties, had already booked their spots into the Olympic trials. Yes. In the announcement last week, it was determined that Tracy Fleury and Jennifer Jones will also be going to the trials based off of their points from the previous two seasons. So on the women's side, as we sit right now, there are four teams in Holman, Anderson, Fleury, and Jones who are in the Olympic trials. That's right. So that leaves us on the women's side with five spots left in the field. Two of those spots will be determined at the pre-trials. So that leaves three spots that are up for grabs at the pre-pre-trials. Right. And Curling Canada has a, it's a somewhat complicated formula, but it's not, once you sort of parse through it, it's pretty straightforward. Basically, they're taking CTRS points and World Curling Tour rankings, a combination of them, to determine who will play in this pre-trials pre event. So again, rewarding teams that play a lot, have good results, mm -hmm. using the existing structures in place. And in the announcement, they don't name anybody specifically, but if you go through it, you can find that Suzanne Burt, Corinne Brown, Laura Walker, Casey Scheidegger, and Kelsey Rock are the five teams that have qualified for the pre pre-trial so five teams for three spots and is that the last word on what the size of the field will be or will there be other teams that may be invited to that pre-pre-trials no so based off of the wording in the announcement that will be the field there there's no more way there's no other way to qualify for this pre-pre-trial event based okay. off the way the announcement was worded now, where it gets complicated, <laughs> um, if it's not already complicated, if somebody who is not already qualified, so if 
If not, if somebody other than Holman, Anderson, Fleury, or Jones wins the Scotties, they get a spot in the Olympic trials. Right. So if it's one of these five teams, no problem. Then the four remaining teams will be going to the pre-pre-trials for two spots. Not, not an issue. If it's one of the four teams who are already in, nothing changes from where we are today. But if something super fun happens, and like the example I used in the blog, Sherry Anderson wins the Scotties, then Sherry Anderson is into the trials. These five teams are now competing for two spots, and three teams would have to then go to the pre-trials. Right, right. That, yeah, that would be pretty fun. Yeah. So that's the situation on the women's side. On the men's side, the structure is the exact same with the exception that we have one extra team already in the trial. So Epping and Gushu are in based off wins last year. Epping at the Canada Cup, Gushu at the Briar. And in the announcement, Curling Canada said that Brad Jacobs, Brendan Botcher, and Kevin Cooey, based on points, are also in the field. So we have five teams in the men's trials field already qualified which leaves four spots, again, two of which will be at the pre-trials. So at the pre-pre-trials, it's the same criteria as the women as to who's getting in. So when you parse through it, you have Mike McEwen, Matt Dunstone, Jason Gunlickson, Glenn Howard, <clears throat> excuse me, Glenn Howard, and Colton Flash. So now you have five teams for two spots on the men's side. And the same thing applies with the Briar winner. If a team that is not currently qualified for the Briar or for the trials wins the Briar. They get a spot. The pre-pre-trials, it only has one spot available. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So there you go. Yeah. So, uh, that's, so that's basically like, again, and I, maybe I'm making it more complicated than it needs to be in the explanation. But, you know, in my head, this actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. It gives those teams that likely would have qualified for the trials on points. a a chance to qualify before having to go to the pre-trial. So it it gives them the double shot uh, to get in like a, like a page playoff would. And and for like, and on the men's side, everybody other than flash and on the women's side, everybody other than uh, Kelsey rock, you also have the chance to win the Scotties or Briar this year. So you have that opportunity to qualify through the national championship in the bubble then you have the pre-pre-trials if you need it, and then you have the pre-trials. So the the system that is in place, again, it's there to reward the teams that play a lot, the top teams, and that is certainly the case uh, this, yeah. with, with this, right? So the, the overall structure of the Olympic trials and who it's intended to reward, I think that whole thing, the integrity of that has not been compromised in the least. No, no, you're right. And I'll, I'll correct you quickly sean casey scheidegger is not at the scotties nor is glenn howard going to be in the briar oh i guess he will be in the briar no glenn glenn howard's there yes excuse me yes you're right uh scheidegger's not my apologies yes so uh sean i know you've been calling this the pre-pre-trials trademark pending Uh, (laughs) would it would it make more sense to describe it as a first chance qualifier I mean, maybe as opposed well, no. to a last no, no, chance but no, qualifier. Because, no, because you've already had so many chances. It's like the the mid chance qualifier. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> Pre pre trials is a mouthful. I'll say it is. It is. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you right now, I don't think Vic's going to that. <laughs> <laughs> he only I mean, maybe he will. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, no, they're sending Mooj, especially if it's before the Canadian season. Like mm-hmm. Mujric, go Goche, you're dealing with that. So who did they did they only have Mujric at the pre-trials uh, four years ago, three years ago? I can't remember. No, I think I think Vic went, but they only cover the weekend of mm-hmm. it. They don't mm-hmm. or they have in the past. They haven't covered the whole event. In part because they use like ABC, uh sort of the triple knockout. Triple format. knockout, yeah. 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 Um, so, so it's harder to, to predict matchups and stuff, but yeah, they, they've only in the past shown like semifinal finals. Right. Well, so that would be my expectation again. I, I, uh, th- yeah, I think this would be a very interesting, um, event to kind of happen. I wonder where you would have it. I, I presume out West because of the teams that are in, 
But uh, yeah. anyway, I, I think it would be really fun to see somebody throw a wrench into this and win the Scotties and Briar and just have Curling Canada throw their hands in the air <laughs> and go, uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's going to be a pretty compact schedule too, because you have the, this new event that they're creating, which will have to be held sometime either late September, early October, mm-hmm. probably not earlier than that. And the pre-trials will be October 26th through the 31st. Uh, and then of course the trials in late November. So yeah, it's going to be a compact schedule for, especially if you lose in this new event and come out of the pre-trials that you're going to be pretty tired getting to Saskatoon in November. Yeah, I I imagine the, you know the the cash spiel circuit in the fall will not be, um, like a usual year. Uh, no. I know the the pandemic made it nothing happen really this year. I would anticipate a a pace similar to that of this year, uh, in, in next fall, mm-hmm. for that. So we'll see. And uh, Sean the. The trial's being moved up. I know a lot of people argued, hey, we should give our curlers more time to prepare for the Olympics. Uh, moving it up by a week is not that much more time, but maybe it's, it's a bit. Not- do, do you think there's any reason for this other than if we have to delay it, now we can? No. Uh, I think there's another uh, very more pressing reason, Scott. So let's get into it because it is related to the cancellation of the Women's World Championship. Okay, let's do it. Now, Curling Canada didn't know, presumably, that the World Championship was going to be canceled, but the announcement did come in this week that the Women's World Championship, which was scheduled to be played in Schaffhausen, Switzerland, from uh, in uh, late March, has been canceled. Health authorities there uh, did not want to host it, so it will not be hosted there. Now, the reason why this, I think, affects all of this other discussion about Olympic qualification, Scott, is that we don't know who's in the Olympics yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're less than a year away from the opening ceremonies in Beijing, and the only teams in any discipline that have qualified or the only country that has qualified for any discipline in curling at the Olympics is China. Gold medals for China. (laughs) So uh, the way it was going to work is that this year, the top six, basically the playoff teams at the men's and women's world championships, that was your Olympic qualifier plus China, which would give you seven spots unless China was in the playoffs. Therefore, you would have six spots total. Then the other spots in the nine-team Olympic field would be determined by a last-chance qualifier. Now, Scott, this last-chance qualifier for the Olympics, for member associations to qualify for the Olympics, is scheduled to be played in December. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely think that Curling Canada is preparing for the eventuality that at least one of the curling disciplines from Canada will have to qualify out of this event. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I guess let's talk a little bit more about the women's worlds being canceled. I, I I from what I hear the protocols that the World Curling Federation had proposed to be put in place were not sufficient to convince the Swiss authorities. Uh, that the event would be safe and that uh, it wouldn't put more of a strain on their healthcare system. Right. That sparked a whole flurry of things online where people were saying, oh, they're just going to tack it onto the bubble in Canada. Now, I, I for what I don't think that's going to happen. It sounds to me like you don't think that's going to happen. Uh, do you It'd see? Tough. Do you see any world in which it could happen? Yes, I, I do see a world in which it could happen, and that world is Curling Canada being very nervous, and Curling Canada being willing to take the financial hit, which I, I think there'd be a financial hit by adding it on to the bubble at the end, to, and making sure that it happens this spring. Right. So it let's say it doesn't happen and the men's world championship proceeds goes off without a hitch. 
That means then for the men's Olympic field, we will have the six or seven teams and yep. the remaining will be able to take place at a, at the last chance qualifier event as per right. usual. Yes. The women's event on the other hand would need to have a separate qualification event to determine the other eight teams in the Olympic curling field. That, yeah. that would look like, I, I mean, how many countries would that need to be? Yeah. See, this, this is the problem, right? And this is why I think that the world curling federation is going to want two different events that you have your, whatever the approximation of the world championship is. And then the last chance qualifier right because similar to the way curling canada system is set up you don't want a system for this year to be in place where a fluke can get you in basically you don't want a situation of a pick rock in one game is the determining factor between and not between i mean that can happen certainly but you don't want that to be the case where a country like sweden and Anna Hasselberg is playing against a country that has never gotten out of the C Euros. Yeah. And you just have a crazy situation in one game. And oh my goodness, Anna Hasselberg isn't in the Olympics. Yeah, that would, that would be, I think, like the, the worst case scenario for the sport, for the member associations, for, for everybody, right? For the viewers, like I... I think it would be really really bad for the game so excuse me what what you're thinking then is they have a quasi world championship yep in the fall or maybe they even just call it the 2021 world championship yeah why not have it in the fall and then uh and then have the last chance qualifier uh, right before the olympics i believe that happens in january is that right no, it happens in December. Okay. So again, this is why I think Curling Canada has adjusted their schedule a little bit. It's I think there's there's a lot of reasons why. I don't think we can discount the possibility that they're looking at what could happen in December mm-hmm. with regard to a last chance qualifier. Yeah, so so you would have the World Championship, the Women's Worlds be September, October. Yeah, September, like October. That. Yep. Okay. So here, so here's where this gets really interesting to me, Scott, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to me. And, and part of it is that I, I like, similar to what we talked about a little earlier, I like the idea of Curling Canada's having to squirm a little bit in a very angsty summer mm-hmm. in the offices of Curling Canada, that if we go through the women's, let's just go through the women's field right now okay. uh, as to what we think it'll look like. Uh, not every country has announced, but what we would expect the field to look like. Anna Hasselberg, Sylvana Terenzoni, uh, Suzuki Fujisawa, a team cam out of Korea, Eve Muirhead, Tabitha Peterson, uh, Kubiskova, and Kovaleva. So mm-hmm. out of those, what's that? That's eight teams. I think I think all of those teams would go to the world championship expecting to qualify for the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then you add in Canada which is another team that, of course, would expect to qualify for the world championship. And on the women's side, China can certainly qualify for a playoff at a world championship. So there are going to be teams that are good that do not qualify out of a world championship on the women's side. So let's say it happens where Canada is not in and whoever wins the Scotties goes, has a bad week, we've seen it before, mm-hmm. does not qualify, then Canada has to go to this last chance qualifier event. I, I think you have a struggle then, if you're curling Canada, of who do you send to this event? Do you send whoever wins this Olympic trials and have them turn around and go right there? Probably they have to go. But then the other more interesting thing to me Scott, what if the winner of the Scotties says, we don't want to go to this world championship in October. We're not going to go play in that. We want to focus on the trials. And I th- you, you could have this scenario where 
Canada is in a tough spot or curling Canada is in a tough spot about who goes to these various events, both the, the women's worlds and then potentially the last chance qualifier. It's going to be tough. And if you have a situation now where you have this last chance qualifier, a Canadian team has to go to it. Moving up the trials provides that buffer that, all right, you qualified for the trials. You got to go. This is part of the deal now. This isn't a situation where we're going to send you know, Glenn Howard to play Brazil, what we, like what we saw a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, you're going to have to win your way into this event. This opens up this Pandora's box that in the announcement that Curling Canada made last week about trials qualification, they did not address at all the possibility that Canada would have to go to a last chance qualifier or, and I don't think it's a legitimate possibility, that Canada doesn't qualify for the Olympics in one of the three disciplines. I don't think that is a legit possibility at this point, but Curling Canada certainly has not left the door open for any of that, and nor should they in any of these announcements. Right, nor should they. They, Their job is not to you know, uh, their job is to prepare for every eventuality. It's not to publicize every eventuality. Right. Uh, yeah. And I used to have a boss, Sean, that would say, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And for me, that's what I think curling Canada is saying. Like, you know, okay, this like could happen, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. If, if they do end up in a spot where, the winner of the trials needs to go to a last chance qualifier event. Of course that team is going to go Sean, because if that team doesn't, you know, go to that event and get a spot, they don't get to go to the Olympics. So like, I can't see them yeah. saying like, no, no, we're going to prepare for the Olympics. Not, not even knowing that if they would be there. Right. So, so I mean like that's a no brainer, of course I can't see I can't see anybody saying to Curling Canada, we're not going to go to a, a world's, a women's world's that's held next fall, next September, say. Uh, I'm trying to think of like, of, of why anybody would say that. And I, I'm not really coming up with anything because as you said, the field for that kind of an event would be pretty good and might be. Yep might be the best kind of preparation you can have for a trials that takes place a month, six weeks, eight weeks later. So yeah, I, I don't see why anybody would say no. Here, here's why a team might say no. If we're still in a situation where you have to quarantine and you have to go isolate for two weeks on both ends, so you can't practice basically for a month out of that, the two weeks before, the two weeks after. So you lose a month of practice. Uh, particularly the, the the teams with young families, potentially they wouldn't want to be away that long again after after having done the bubble already, and then sort of the uncertainty that goes along with that. And it depends where it is, right? It's not scheduled to be in Canada. If it was in Canada, that would make it a lot easier for the Canadian teams. But I think that is the factor that would be in play: the the travel component and if isolation is still a factor. Yeah, I I, I guess I really don't see that being at, as big an issue in six months as it is now um, with the vaccine rollout, not. with uh, understanding a little more about, about how this all works. Uh, I think quarantining for 14 days is in some cases overkill. Uh, we're seeing the restrictions for quarantining in different places being reduced based on not having any symptoms. Right. So uh, I, I mean, in theory, what you're saying is right, but I mean, we'll talk about the Scotties next week, Sean. I, I don't think any team that wins that uh, of the teams I'm thinking of that have a chance to win the Scotties. I don't yeah. think any of them would say no to going to a world's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see certainly, uh, and, and oh, we, there was already uncertainty, let's say, if Rachel Holman had won, whether or not she would be able to play in a world championship in the spring, mm -hmm. see what the situation is for her and the team in the fall. Uh, if we shift over to the men's side, just in, in talking about the possibility of Canada having to play in a last chance qualifier, I think it's less likely on the men's side, not because Canada's men's teams are that much better or more competitive than Canada's women's teams, but I just think the world 
field isn't as deep on the men's side in my most humble of opinions. So on the men's side, you're looking at uh, John Schuster, Bruce Mowat, Olsrud, Nicodine, uh, Peter DeCruz. And then I think that's that level. And then Canada would be the sixth team there. And then you're into the category of, you know, Yap Van Dorp and uh, Alexei uh, Timofey. Or Japan. Uh, uh, yeah, the Japanese men the or the men. Italian men, the Danes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's a, a bigger drop off once you get to six on the men's side than when you get to six on the women's side. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So, uh, so that's sort of the situation uh, in that. And I, I just want to say too, on the mixed double side, uh, this one is not quite as complicated. Basically, on the points, they're allowing people to combine their mixed doubles points, even if they've never played together before. Mm-hmm. So the qualification process on the uh, mixed double side, a little easier. There's going to be regional qualifiers to get into the Canadian trials. But in terms of the Olympic Games itself, at the World Championship, the top seven teams will qualify for the Olympic Games. Eight teams, or excuse me, the eighth place team will go if China is in the top seven, which is not what's happening on the four-person team side. So seven teams will come out of the World Championships. And then the final a couple spots will come out of the last chance qualifier on the mixed double side. So we know that the mixed doubles world championship, a lot harder to get out of than the men's and women's just because of the uh, vagaries of mixed doubles, the high scoring nature of it, the single elimination and uh, just more teams in the field. So, you know, between all of the disciplines, mixed doubles is the most likely that Canada would have to go to that last chance qualifier. And certainly, if you remember back a few years ago, it was the Reed Carruthers, Joey and Courtney phenomenal showing at the World Championship that saved Canada and qualified Canada into the World Championship. Uh, otherwise, they would have had to go to a last chance qualifier. So just uh, mixed doubles is a whole nother, you know, bag of worms and it's a lot harder there. So there'll be some pressure on whoever comes out of the mixed doubles Canadian Championships. And the mixed doubles world are currently scheduled to be held at the end of April at a location that is yet to be determined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, Sean, I never heard of a bag of worms. Do you buy uh, buy your worms? Some I was watching some, fish, watching some fishing videos today. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah, and, and mixed doubles, uh, I think we pointed this out in an earlier episode, but the field for the Olympics will be expanded to 10. There was only eight teams at the first iteration in 2018. Yeah. So uh, a little more buffer room for a team like Canada whose mixed doubles players tend not to be specialists. So right. uh, yeah, like uh, a, a little bit easier to get in than it was in 2018. Yeah. More teams uh, certainly never hurts. So Scott, mm. if you would forecast it what do you think the odds are that a canadian team has to go to the last chance qualifier in december honestly i I would say it's very very low um like i said we'll talk about what i think about the scotties but uh i i i i don't think that that canada will miss qualifying from whatever the women's world championship turns into i would say it's maybe like a five percent chance okay i'm I'm thinking in the in totality i'm thinking if you you put it all together i'm thinking there's like a 30 35 percent chance uh, i don't think there's really much of a chance on the men's side again because the the world field isn't quite as deep uh and yeah i'm with you on the women's side yeah like a five percent chance it's the the uncertainty and just the the again the vagaries of the mixed doubles game that yeah, you could get knocked out in that round of sixteen at a mixed doubles event pretty easily. So that uh, that that's where I would put it that high. And and if there's you know the greatest chance for Canada not to qualify out of a world championship, I think lies in the mixed doubles. Again, not a reflection on the players and the team that will eventually go. It's just the way that event is set up. Absolutely, absolutely. So that uh, that's where we stand with the Olympics. One year out. A lot of talk with uh, actually nothing having been determined yet. Other than congratulations to the Chinese 
curling federation for their early qualification. They're probably just sitting there, the, the Chinese curling federation being like, you know what, why don't we hold the qualifier in January? It'll be safer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Like let's just have hold everything in the lead up to the games itself. Yeah, and let's do it in Beijing. <laughs> right. I mean they got the facility, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That could be the test event. Because they, they didn't <laughs> get one this year. That's true. That is true. I do wonder that, that is true. Like nothing has been decided in terms of locations for this last chance event. Maybe they do use the ice cube if it's if it's available and uh gives them an opportunity for a test event yeah i mean you you mentioned quarantine i I mean maybe for the olympics it'll be very strict and uh they'll need to be there a couple weeks before so yeah throw in the uh the last chance qualifier yeah yeah so i mean we'll see what happens i know the the news that has come out about the summer olympics is basically show up do your event and get out (laughs) that's basically the instructions that have been given to the athletes Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no, no sightseeing around Tokyo. Yeah. And Sean, we had uh, targeted Beijing 2022 as the uh, first Olympic Games that we would try to get to and cover. That's right. Uh, um, in person. What uh, What are you thinking about that? I know a great hotel near the Olympic Village uh, or near the uh, the Olympic site. That, uh, I don't know, maybe. I haven't looked into whether or not it's booked. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I, I lived there for two and a half months, close to where it is. I mean, I could I could go back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the, the manager and the staff there and everything, right? Yeah, the cook liked me. Yeah, so uh, we'll put in a phone call. Yeah, uh, he spoke two, word, spoke two words of English. Yeah. Uh, he said hi every morning when I went in for the breakfast, and he said bye when I left after breakfast. Uh, but you know, we had we somehow communicated well enough with uh, me not speaking any Mandarin other than the two things people taught me, so that I could order food on my own, uh, <laughs> order dinner, uh, which didn't help me at the breakfast, uh, and he not speaking any English. We seemed to communicate well enough. That's nice. You still had the nod and the smile. Yeah, that's right. It's good. Yeah, it worked out well. Right on. Well, uh, yeah, put a call in and uh, we'll we'll uh, tentatively book in pending uh, vaccinations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vaccine pending, like everything <laughs> in the world right now. Yeah, like everything. <laughs> um, so th- hopefully that's clear, everybody. Uh, gives us just a sense of where everything sits as we are a year out from the Olympic Games that are currently scheduled to be held in Beijing next February. And uh, it's it's going to come fast and furious over the next year between obviously what's coming up in the bubble, whatever ends up happening with the Women's World Championship or whatever they end up doing for qualification on the women's side for the Olympic Games, and then pre-pre-trials, pre-trials, Olympic trials, last chance qualifier, and then the mixed doubles Canadian Olympic trials, which will be held over... The new year uh, from late December, I think the last day is January 2nd or 3rd, uh, where they will determine a champion. Of course, in the unlikely event that Canada does not qualify for mixed doubles, that event will not be held, of course. But uh, that is the schedule. So, you know, we're going bang, bang, bang through the uh, through the bubble. Mm-hmm. We'll have that week off now that we didn't expect with the women's worlds being canceled. But. Uh, in that time, the the mix, the Canadian mixed doubles will be taking place. And then once we get into the fall, it's going to be running rough shot through the fall, Scott. Curling events all over the place as people scramble for those Olympic spots. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, and so, Sean, we'll come back next week with a pretty thorough Scotty's preview. Yeah. Yeah, the game, the game of Stones Fergus Curling Club, Scotty's Mega Preview, presented by Canada Three Thousand and Zellers, where the lowest price is the law. <laughs> yeah, uh, securing those sponsors was uh, no small feat. So, yeah, good, I had them locked friends. in like twenty years ago. <laughs> and I'm still contractually obligated to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we uh, signed a long contract. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week with that full preview. All eighteen teams we'll talk about in the Scotty's field. 
with the action kicking off next Friday night out in Calgary, Scott. It's been a long stretch, almost a year since uh, live curling in Canada that uh, wasn't sort of cash, some light cash deals that are distant and, you know, that had this weird vibe to them. And, you know, this will be hopefully normal-ish curling on TV, you know, the first real meaningful stuff since the Briar final. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm like really excited for it. I I've watched a little bit of the, uh, Swiss championships this week. Uh, you know, being off has been pretty good for that kind of stuff. Uh, the Japanese championships I'm planning to put on tonight, uh, starting, they start the early morning draws at 7 PM here in the East coast. So, uh, yeah, like, a little bit of curling is good, but I really can't wait to have uh, Vic back on our airways calling meaningful yeah. curling. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll say too about the Swiss championship. Peter de Cruz is in another world right now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He's uh, <laughs> unconscious making shots. He is. He is going nuts. Just making crazy shots. He made a, he made uh, a run back for seven when he had angle a ch- run back, an angle run back. He had a chance to draw for five and chose to, <laughs> play an angle run for <laughs> yeah. seven just bonkos what uh, peter de cruz is doing um so you know look for them i mean probably a, we would expect a schwaller de cruz final uh, yeah schwaller lost uh, one of his early matches sort of unexpectedly but that's what we're expecting for the final yeah uh elsewhere i uh, should just point out that uh, bruce mowat and even Muirhead won the british event uh, now that doesn't officially count as like the Scottish national championship, but would be surprised if either of those two teams are not representing Scotland at the world championships, uh, or at least on the men's side, the world championship, and then whatever ends up happening on the women's side. So congratulations to them. And as Scott mentioned, the Japanese championship also ongoing at the moment. So there is some live stuff out there that you can find if you're itching for it before the bubble. The other piece of news in terms of results from games, Scott, we finally had the big Hasselberg Adin game yeah. on Sunday. And uh, I don't know what the score was. The score might indicate that it was a closer game than it actually was, right? Nick Adin broke it open about sort of mid halfway through. I think in the sixth end, he scored a three uh, with the hammer. It was tied 3-3 at that point. And, uh, yeah, I got a big three-ender. So, uh, you know, the the women's team was chasing after that. But um, other than that big end, like, they were pretty close. So, I, I don't right. know. It was, just, it was just fun. I was saying this to somebody. It's, like, fun to watch men and women competing on a relatively equal footing, right? There's not yeah. a lot of sports where you see that. And these two teams being one of if not the top team in the world in their discipline is just like yep. a, it's just a pleasure to watch and they were having a lot of fun the only thing i wished is that i could speak swedish so i could understand what they're saying uh yeah. but one of the most <laughs> fun was that the hasselberg team had wayne Mada on facetime <laughs> so when they called timeout their their fifth would come out with the iPhone and, and have <laughs> Wayne sort of talk to the, to the team about what he thinks should happen. It was the only time Wayne, I was like, Oh, they're speaking English. What's going on? Did Wayne have a scotch in his hand at you know, nine o'clock in the morning, just sitting there in uh, Midland, uh, just hanging out. He might've. Yeah. He might've uh, feet, feet on the desk. <laughs> yeah. They never showed his face on the, uh, on the camera. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe they got some rule about, uh, you know, communications law. I don't know, but, uh, no, it was like, it was really cool. Really, really cool to see. Yeah. A great event. I'm glad they were able to put it on and yeah, everyone seemed to enjoy it. I didn't see any negative feedback online of people being like, why are they doing this? This is awful. Like everyone was into it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I did see the Nicodine was wearing a hat, Sean. Do you think that he might uh be? moving towards joining us in the bald brotherhood. Ooh, I hope not. Pure for his sake. For, for, for his, his sake, sake, I hope not. He's, he's, you know, he's not, it's one thing to be, you know, like six, five and bald. Not that I'm six, five, but 
you know, I'm taller than Nicodine. Yes. Sneaky short. Yeah. So you don't, you know, the, the, the easier it is to see the top of your head, the worse it is when it goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, so yeah. So for Nicodine's sake, I hope he was just, uh, I just felt like wearing a hat. Yeah. Maybe it was cold in there. Yeah. It's not like a typical arena. So yeah, maybe a little chilly. Just need, uh, need to keep yourself warm. Yeah. It was in, uh, it was in Ian Sherping. Yes. Which uh, hosted the Worlds a couple of years ago. Yeah. Worlds mixed doubles, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So uh, a lot of fun out there from Sweden. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing more of those two teams, uh, or at least Nicodine, in the coming weeks. And uh, I guess we'll get some Hasselberg at the two Grand Slam events. Uh, presumably, they'll come over and play in those. So we, so we will get some of the international women's teams at those events, even though we don't get the women's worlds. I mean, if they're allowed in the country, then yes, but we'll see. Yes. <laughs> which is still, which like so much on the curling calendar is TBD. Mm-hmm. So that'll do it for this week. Thank you everybody for listening. If you want to check out the blog that I put together explaining the Canadian Olympic uh, curling qualification process, head on over to gameofstonespod.com. It's in the blog section there you can check it all out i i structured it as a as an faq so hopefully it goes through and just explains it in a lot of clarity what the process is so you can check that out and also all of our episodes are there so you can find all the past episodes uh in the episodes section and that's where the merch is as well we're selling the t-shirts still all proceeds going to food banks can and we are matching the proceeds as well. So it's like a double donation. So you can head on over to Game of Stones pod for all that good stuff. And if you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show, wherever it is you get your podcast, do the likes, the ratings, comments, all that good stuff helps other people find the show, keeps us going. And please do let us know what you want to hear on the show. You can reach out Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at Game of Stones pod and Scott's at Scott Lakes TV. And I am at the Sean Graham and another quick little plug. I am currently scheduled Scott to be on rocks across the pond. I don't know when it's going to be released, but we're recording it soon. So a little crossover action. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting news there. I am looking for, <laughs> you sounded so genuine when you said that. Well, I, I am excited for that for you, Sean. I saw some messages flying back and forth. I haven't had time to check them as you know, uh, uh, being on vacation is hard work, but, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, look forward to that. Yeah. It's going to be part of their looking back or run it back series. We're going to look at uh, a past game, run it back. Excuse me. So, uh, very excited to, uh, to do that. And we'll tweet out all the links for that once it is available. And of course, join us next Wednesday for our Scotty's mega preview. We'll get you set for everything going on in Calgary. We'll also announce our coverage of the Scotties, what we're going to be doing. Very excited for the week in Calgary. Uh, not that we'll be in Calgary, but uh, the week covering all the events from Calgary. We've got some fun stuff planned. So please do join us again next Wednesday. Until then, Scott, enjoy the rest of your vacation. Thanks, man. And for everyone else, keep their brooms on the ice. Don't dump that intern. Make the final.